Welcome to Impacting Jamaica, where we shine the spotlight on the many but often ignored positive happenings, activities, projects and investments at every level across every sector to inspire, motivate and excite people everywhere. Impacting Jamaica is powered by the Philip and Christine Gore Family Foundation, the Jamaica Public Service Company, Manpower and Maintenance Services Limited, Red Stripe, Kyramed and Proven Investments Limited. Right, welcome to Impacting Jamaica, a podcasting series celebrating the work and achievements of Jamaicans and friends of Jamaica. I'm your host, Sonia Polian, and I'm sitting in for the wonderful Empress Sinai Flary. On today's show, I'm joined by MBK Wazime, and I'll just tell you a little bit about MBK. MBK is an international coach, trainer, author, photographer, and freelance writer. She has worked and lived in Ghana, Malaysia, Jamaica, and Dubai. She led school development programs, school consultations. She's trained senior school leaders, and she's coached senior and middle school leaders. MBK is also an author and has two poetry books, one called Exploring All of Me and the other one called And Then It Was 2020. I'm intrigued to know about And Then It Was 2020. (laughs) She's had articles and photographs published all over the place, right? But in the African Business and Culture magazine, the Alarm magazine, Diversity Business Promotes, Turning Point magazine and the Black Ballad. And BK, welcome to the show, baby girl. Sonia, thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. So listen, you know, that short bio there was jam-packed and we're going to unpick it, okay? So just tell us what your connection is with Jamaica, first of all. My parents are from Jamaica. Look at you. (laughs) Yes, so I am part of what they call the first generation Jamaicans born in the UK. Right. And we were effectively raised as Jamaicans yeah exactly definitely yeah so um a few things which I I know will resonate with a lot of people who are in their Mm -hmm. 40s 50s and 60s who were born here is that yeah we would go to school and engage with their world yeah and then we would come home and be in our world yeah get licked what that yeah and what that meant was chores on a weekend catering carrots cleaning Uh the skirting board oh yeah everybody had their chores And in the week, my mm-hmm. mother was very clear. When you came home from school, you had to do additional maths and English. Yeah. And she would set. Yeah. Oh, wow. Was, was she a teacher? No. no. Once it was completed, though, we could go out to play. Yeah. And she had a very strong belief that school didn't do everything. Yeah. So she had to do her part. Okay, and that's we had really to, uh, Yeah, we had to earn our right to play out. Yeah. So, and food was Jamaican food. Uh-huh. So when our white counterparts at school were going home to have tea, yeah. And they would literally talk about having a sandwich and a cup of tea. Yeah. We would be talking about soup and not Heinz soup, but soup with not. dashin and yeah. chocho yeah. and yam. Do you know and... what I used to find confusing, right? When <laughs> uh-huh. the white people used to talk about tea, we would yes. say dinner. Yes, we would exactly. Say, oh, yeah. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, yeah, so, yeah, so born here and having had the wonderful experience of working globally. Yeah. And knowing that wherever I've gone, and they've said to me, where are you from? And I said, England. They said, no, 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 no. where are your parents from? Yeah. And when I say Jamaica, everybody's happy. Yeah. Everybody celebrates Jamaica. And whether that's in the smallest village in Cameroon, yeah. to the city centre in Accra, yeah. to the middle of Malaysia. You're Jamaican? Oh, my God, I love Jamaica. I love 
has their favorite story, including yeah. um, senior officials that I've worked with in Malaysia who yeah. many of them did their postgraduate studies in England mm -hmm. and stayed in the houses of Jamaicans yes. because they had never experienced any kind of prejudice wow. until, until they arrived in England yeah. and found that the homes where they were the most happiest and comfortable mm -hmm. were with Jamaicans and they would often talk about spending Christmas in England and being part of the Christmas celebration in the yeah. Jamaican household mm -hmm. and how 20 years, 30 years on, they've never forgotten the love and the hospitality wow. of being in a Jamaican family. So yes, you know, I am Jamaican, proud yeah. and stand up and yes. Listen, I don't, I don't know a person who's from Jamaica or whose parents are from, who is not proud of being Jamaican. Listen, I tell you, when I, I tell to you. people, right, they say, right, that out of all the Caribbean islands, the Jamaicans are the proudest. Like, what? Yes. Your problem if you don't want to be proud of your country. We're yes. proud of our country, our heritage. Yeah. Most definitely. Most right, definitely. You know, when you was younger, when you were at yes. school, you know, yes. what did you aspire to be? What did I aspire to be? I aspired to be a hair hostess. Did you? Yes. Oh, I wow. wanted to travel. Yeah. And my mother, who mm -hmm. was, and my mother passed away when I was 16. Right. Um, which is very young, but growing up, I grew up in an era where your parents' word was God. It was the mm -hmm. bond. And my mother said to me, boy, I don't know about that, you know, because them plane always a crash. I mean, I want you got, they got dead. Yeah. And so I decided I didn't want to be a hair host anymore. Okay, she frightened you off. Yes, yes, definitely. And and our parents have this, this beautiful psychology of sending us away from something without directly saying, do not do it. Yeah. Or yes. giving you a valid reason why. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, because I say so is, yeah. is the reason. Um, but interestingly enough, the universe obviously knew that I wanted to see the world mm -hmm. and I've seen a lot of it through my work. So yeah. I still give thanks that, you know, now when I'm on a plane and I see a hair hostess, I think this is a job that I may not have wanted to stay in for a long time anyway. Yeah. And I've enjoyed the work that I've done. So, mm -hmm. yes. So you wanted to be a hostess, but yes. you went on to be what? Lots of different things. <laughs> so that long, darling. <laughs> yes, I know. Fundamentally, my work has been in education and yeah. I've loved it. Yeah. Um, so what did you, you know, start? I, how did you start off in education? Okay, so when I when I completed my first degree, yeah, I had completed an arts degree, was unsure about where I wanted to go, and ended up in what I now, you know, view as a, a place where I could think about what yeah. I wanted to be. So I worked in um, a project housing homeless young people for a short period of time okay then moved from there to qualify as a teacher yeah and in a subject or just yeah so my degree is in sociology and yeah. the UK system is such that you with a first degree you then do a postgraduate teacher right. training yeah. qualification and then from there I've worked in schools I've worked in tertiary colleges I've yeah. worked as the head of department I've worked in quality assurance mm -hmm. I've worked within research, I've worked within school inspection, but yeah. I, you know, fundamentally my work has been within education because if we get education right, yeah. it affects everything. Mm -hmm. And the ability to critically analyze the world that you're in, yeah. to be able to ask the right questions, to be able to feed yourself properly, to be able to eat properly, to understand mm -hmm. the science of diet and everything else, 
yeah. comes from education. And education doesn't always have to be formal, mm -hmm. but it does, but, but what school, if school is, is done appropriately, what it does do is it allows you to develop the skills to know how to research effectively, yeah. to be able to analyze appropriately mm -hmm. and to be able to make the decisions based on those components. Think, if you don't yeah. understand how to do that, mm -hmm. you will make decisions without doing your due diligence. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So when I first came across you, okay. Yes. You were working in Malaysia. But before, yes. we, but before we get to Malaysia, okay. So after you've done teaching, and you know, you said that you, um, you developed school or you led school development programs. What kind yes. of um, programs were you developing? <clears throat> okay, so the programs that I, where I've worked and led on school development and building capacity yeah. have always been within a, a, a very clear guideline, mm -hmm. which is to engage teachers, middle leaders and senior leaders to embrace a 21st century approach to education. Uh -huh. And as strange as that sounds, mm -hmm. Um, it actually is, it's actually quite funny because most schools that are in countries that are under, that were originally under colonial rule of the British, mm -hmm. still, still have that same model. They still have a chalk and what, they, what we call chalk and talk model of education, yeah. which means that the children go in, they sit down, teacher yeah. stands at the front, oh my God. he or she talks a lot. Right. That's the original Victorian model. Yes. Yeah. So whatever we were at school, that's how it was. Exactly, exactly. And so you now look at the 21st century where you have students who have access to the internet. Everyone has access to the internet. Yeah. And so you can now have a classroom situation where children have as much information as their teachers. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So the teachers no longer giving them the information. They're no longer the bearers of all knowledge as they were years ago. Yeah. So the, the, the skill of the teacher now is to facilitate the learning. Right. It's to guide the student into how to research, mm -hmm. how to put all that information together, how to structure yeah. what they have, either mm -hmm. what they have in turn, they've gained through their own autonomy or what they've shared in the classroom. Mm -hmm. So the idea of teaching now is a very different model to what it was originally. Mm -hmm. And for many countries, and I do mean many, they have still held on to the same model because they say that's successful as they get the right exam results. Uh -huh. The reality is that even at higher education level now, Mm -hmm. universities are looking for more than a stars they want students who can think they want students who are innovative who are creative yeah. who think outside of or who create their own box that does not happen if you're sitting in a seat just being fed information for the whole of your school yeah. experience mm -hmm. so a lot of what I do and when I work with others it's about getting people to think about education in another way yeah. I am a qualified coach and I often incorporate my coaching yeah. into my education because mm. when you're working with students, you can ask them a closed question. Yes. Was this right or wrong? And they say yes or no. Yeah. Or you can ask them an open question. Yeah. yeah. How could that have been different? They have to think. Yeah. They have to weigh up the pros and cons. Mm -hmm. That's a skill in itself, because if you yeah. understand that the brain is a muscle, yeah. Like any muscle in the body, if it's not worked, then what happens to your muscles? They seize up. Yeah. 
Yeah. So the brain works in the same way. We have different parts to our brain. And if that critical analytical part isn't serviced and isn't looked after and isn't worked, then it becomes dormant. Yeah. Wow. So does that mean that when you go into the schools, you're not only just teaching um, students, you're teaching children, sorry, teachers as well? Yes, yes. More, it's more about working with the senior leaders. Right. Uh coaching senior leaders Mm -hmm. training senior leaders coaching and training middle leaders Mm because if you get it right at that level that then is replicated into the classroom so rarely am I in the classroom now but I'm working with the people who are in the classroom and I've delivered teacher training for a long time and now a word from our sponsors a toast only works if it's shared with others even when we're miles apart so let's cheer each other on Cheers to the best in life. Drink and live responsibly. A message from Red Stripe, part of the Heineken Company. Searching for a one-stop solution to all your facilities maintenance needs? Visit Manpower Maintenance Services Sales and Distribution Center. We stock a wide range of COVID-19 washroom, cleaning and other supplies, gardening tools, chemicals and more. Our experts are always ready to give you the best advice. Manpower Maintenance Services Sales and Distribution Center, 14 Collins Green Avenue, Kingston, Freeport Commercial Center, Montego Bay and 33 Ward Avenue, Mandeville. Visit or call us today, 876-920-47215. Welcome back to our podcast. If they're used to teach it in a, a particular manner, how exactly. do you go in there and convince them that this is the new age, a new way of teaching, and it's more impacting and you'll be able to get more out of your students? How, how do you do, teach them that? Okay, so that's, that's an investment of time. It's not a one session right. um, approach that because nothing happens in one session. Mm-hmm. So what, I'm, what I would start with doing is observing a class. I go into a classroom mm-hmm. and with the permission of the teacher, I may record snippets of it. Mm-hmm. it might be 30 seconds, might be a minute here. And then I would sit down with that teacher and I would, I would, I would have scanned the classroom in that recording. I would say to them, okay, look at the levels of engagement. Yeah. Who have you captured? Who have you? Ha- who hasn't? Who's with you on this journey? Who's not? Mm-hmm. And if a teacher's standing at the front, invariably they miss the students at the back. I've been in classrooms where students at the back have literally gone to sleep, mm-hmm. sleep, fast asleep. Yeah. Yeah. And so, when you're teacher training, you know that okay, one, you've got depending on the demographic of your students. So if they're poor students, they may may come to school without breakfast. Yeah. Yeah. So mm. some schools counter, counter that by having a breakfast program, mm-hmm. which obviously helps because the body needs fuel to be able to work. Yeah. If you're teaching a lesson after lunch where students have eaten, their energy is in their stomach. It's mm-hmm. processing the food. So you don't have a lesson where they're sitting still for an hour. Yeah. You get them up. You have things up on the walls. You get them to move about. Mm-hmm. You owe it, but you do that over a period of time. So you say to the to the tutor, okay, this is what you've produced today. Yeah. And this is what you've produced, knowing what you know. Yeah. Okay, now these are the kind of resources that you can use. Look at these programs, look at other lesson plans yeah. that have been devised, which are more interactive. Mm-hmm. Look at what will work for your personality. Because because ed- educating is also about what works for the teacher. Yeah. You, you don't demand that a teacher become all singing and dancing yeah. if it doesn't sit well with their character. They have to be comfortable in what you're asking them to do. Do they take into consideration that students learn in different manners? 
Absolutely. Like some are visual, some are kinesthetic. So Absolutely. Are they taking that into consideration? A, t- a teacher who hasn't been well trained, and oh. it does happen, may not. Okay. A teacher who was trained 20 years ago may have forgotten. Right. That happens. People yeah. slip into a comfort zone, what works for them or mm. what may have worked, and they, they repeat that. They rinse and repeat. Yeah, yeah. So really what, what I'm doing is I'm going in. Sometimes I'm reminding them mm-hmm. that we have different learning styles, just as they as teachers have different teaching styles. Yeah. And, you know, the, the most successful lesson is a lesson that encompasses as many teaching styles as possible. So you do work for your audio, you do work for your visual, you do work for your your kinesthetic, Mm -hmm. you do work that appeals to your activists, Mm -hmm. so that everyone should leave that lesson with some healthy takeaways. Yeah. Yeah? Mm -hmm. And, you know, you also have to take into account the age of your students. So what works for an 11-year-old may not work for a 16-year-old. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You have to take into account, as I said earlier, what time of the day yeah. your class is taking place. Mm-hmm. So once you've mastered the science yeah. of teaching, uh-huh. you will have more successful lessons than not. Okay. But initially, you may just not know or you just may have forgotten. Yeah. So how do these teachers accept you as somebody who's coming from abroad, coming in and basically rearranging their whole (laughs) their whole teaching program you know how how do they handle that that's a good question it's a good question um depending on where i am in the world yeah yeah there is a acceptance of me as a brown-skinned woman Uh coming in and showing my expertise depending on where I am in the world it's the accent they hear first okay they hear the British accent and they assume that if I'm from Britain, I must be an expert in what I'm doing. Right, okay. Um, depending on where I am in the world, they don't want to be told anything or advised by a brown-skinned woman. Uh-huh. And that energy is there at the beginning. But at the end, it's not. Mm-hmm. Because once they have incorporated what we've discussed, they yes. will see that it's for their benefit. Right. And there are different hurdles to go over. As an international yes consultant there are always those hurdles to go over racism is is global yeah colorism is global mm-hmm. yeah but other people um you know gender bias is global they would rather a man be sitting in front of them than a woman yeah so you know once you realize that and you know that hasn't stopped me so far it's not going to stop me now of energy is energy you know once you pick it up you're like okay then let me just approach this particular session in another way yeah Awesome. So the, the school um, senior leaders yes. that you train, what is it that you actually train them to do? So I know what you teach, teach you teach the teachers, you train the teachers yes. to teach in a different manner, but yes. what is it that you teach the leaders? Okay, so with leaders, I'm often coaching them. Okay. And so if you understand anything about coaching, mm-hmm. coaching would be about managing any challenges that come up. Mm-hmm. So as a, if they're a new leader, there will be challenges around delegation. Yep. There'll be challenges about their own confidence and their self-esteem. Mm-hmm. There'll be challenges about just how to manage versus how to lead. Right. So when I'm coaching them on a one-to-one basis, we're working through either what's happening immediately mm-hmm. or long-term challenges that they've had, which they're now ready to talk about. 
Yeah. And the great thing about being an international coach is that when you go into an environment, the school leaders that you're working with know that you're not com- connected to their community mm-hmm. because we live in very small communities. Yeah. And if you're in Malaysia, yeah. many school leaders already know each other. If you're in Jamaica, many school leaders already know each other. Same in Dubai, same, you know. So yeah. it's actually really nice when you go in as an external coach uh-huh. and you work with school leaders and you help them yeah. to understand exactly what's going on and to come up with the solutions that, that are best for their school. Because each solution is going to be different. You yeah. don't come with anything prescriptive because a leader who's been in place for 10 years will be very different to someone who's only recently been promoted. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you very much for that. So tell us a little bit about your poetry books now. Exploring All of Me, what's all that about? Okay, so Exploring All of Me is a collection, um, an anthology of my poems that were written between aged 18 and about 21. So I've always written. Um, Poetry for me is an outlet, um, I suppose, in the same way that some people journal. I used to write poems in that way and also capture my political social personal understanding of the world that i'm in uh-huh. so one of the poems that i that i wrote that um just still resonates you know in my first book was about um you know this the experience of being black mm-hmm. um the experience of being black and growing up in the uk yeah and you know very little has changed uh-huh. very little has changed and then my second poetry book was in the process, I'd been writing a lot since in my 20s and, you know, things were all over the place. And then, you know, 2020 was such an incredible year mm-hmm. on so many levels, you know, the first lockdown, the pandemic, yeah. Yeah. COVID. And, you know, the, the poetry was coming, like, this This book has to come out this year. Oh, wow. so I self-published that that year because yeah. it just felt as if it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was a moment. It was a moment in life that each of us is going to remember Uh for, you know, wherever we were at that time, what happened subsequently, what's happened since, what continues to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, But it it changed. Uh Lives that we all knew. And for myself as an international educator, you know, I had lived in places where at a, you know, at a moment's notice, a few of us are consultants would say, okay, where are we going this weekend? Are we going to Vietnam? Yeah. We'll jump on a plane and go to Vietnam. Yeah. Okay, where are we going? You know, it's it's another holiday coming up in a month's time. Okay, we'll go to Kerala. So I've, I've been to Kerala in South India three times. Yeah. I've been to Thailand. I've been to Bali. Yeah. I've been to Hong Kong. I've been to Japan. All of that was possible because I lived and worked in a world mm. that was different to the world I now I now live in. And so... I speak to people who are working on the international scene now yeah. and some of them have been locked in one place for two years. They wow. haven't moved. Yeah. And so the attraction of working overseas that I thought was always going to be available isn't the same. Uh-huh. Isn't the same. So the second poetry book really captures, again, life experiences, looking at class, looking at race, looking at feminism, mm-hmm. looking at families, looking at lockdown, uh-huh. And that's all captured in, in that second poetry collection. Ooh. And it's already published, right? 
it's already published. Ah. They're both available on Amazon. Right. Okay. Cool. Okay. So what is, I mean, well, I know we just come out of lockdown and coming out of COVID, hopefully, but yes. what, what, what are you going to be doing for the next couple of years or what's the plan for the next couple of years, a short-term plan? To continue working internationally, but not necessarily going to those places. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah, so Everybody I'm does everything online nowadays. It, yes. And, you know, I mean, I'm currently working with two projects in Bangladesh and around girls in education uh-huh. and making education more available to them through different models. I'm also working in Ghana mm-hmm. and there will be some traveling, but it will not be in the same way. Yeah, yeah, it won't be in the same way. And I will continue to coach senior leaders yeah. because education is my passion. Mm-hmm. If we get it right at the top, that trickles down to what happens in the classroom. Uh-huh. And if you can get the if you get the senior leaders to consider what changes need to be made and then to implement them, mm-hmm. you know that the students are going to have a, a healthier experience. Awesome. So yes, I'll continue with that. I will continue to write. Yeah. Um, and I will continue to, to do my photography, not as much as I used to, but photography is, you know, my visual expression of the world that I live in. And I still think it's, it's absolutely relevant. Well, the project that you did when you were in, when your photograph was in... Um, the Blue, Blue Water, in yeah. Blue Water. Were they, was that a photograph that you had taken? No, no. So the, the, the very quick history of that was... It was the portraits of Black Britain. Right. It was part of a larger project by Cyphus Williams. Mm-hmm. And his intention is to get 1,000 portraits wow. of ordinary, regular Black people in the UK. Yeah. The first part was in Manchester, mm-hmm. and that was exhibited at, at the Manchester Arndale. Right. And then the second part, he put a call out on LinkedIn that I responded to but the reason it was taken sorry the reason it was exhibited at Blue Water Shopping Centre was that he had gone to Blue Water Mm -hmm. to do some shopping as a black man yeah and had purchased some suitcases was accosted by the security guards who accused him of stealing them I think I remember that exactly and he said what do you mean like I mean who steals suitcases first of all I mean (laughs) But anyway, so they accosted him, they challenged him, and he said, I'm going to speak to the CEO. And he did. He spoke to the CEO and who manages the land upon which Blue Water is built and the security company. Uh And those discussions are still going on. He's working on a number of projects, but the Blue Water Portraits of Black Britain was put on there Mm -hmm. um, as a result of those discussions. And I was part of it. So that, so him being accosted with, about those suitcases, yes, was all for a reason. Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Right. Well, MBK, I'd like to say thank you very much for being a part of Impact in Jamaica, the podcast series, and I wish you all the very best for the future. Thank you, Sonia. I wish you the best, and look forward to working with you again. And if anybody wants to contact me, I am on LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram at Mbeke W International. Mm-hmm. I am on Twitter and I look forward to working with any senior leaders who can see the benefits of improving their scores yeah. through coaching or training, either face-to-face 
or virtually. Thank you. Awesome. Impact in Jamaica is powered by the Philip and Christine Gore Family Foundation, Manpower and Maintenance Services Limited, the Jamaica Public Service Company, Red Stripe, Caramed, and Proven Investments Limited. If you or anyone you know is involved with projects and activities that excite, motivate, and encourage, send us an email to impactingjamaica at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Do join us again for another in the series on Google Podcast, Audible, Spotify, Podcast Addict, and Stitcher. You can also visit us at impactingjamaica.com.